As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Exciting day for the Jets as we get ready and closer and closer to the 2021 season. Zach Wilson was there. He was throwing footballs. There was seven-on-seven drills. The media was there to see it for basically the first time. That's the story, and the Jets will break it down on the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster, along with the Athletics Jets reporter Connor Hughes and our producer Marissa Morris. Uh, Please subscribe, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening uh, on the podcast, on Apple, wherever you listen, give us a five-star review. Uh, Connor, you were out there and you got sunburned. Good job. I did, yeah, which is kind of, I guess, because I didn't wear a hat today, which is like the first time in a very long time that I haven't worn a hat to practice. And I didn't think I would get burned because I've been golfing for the last two, three months. And like normally what happens is like my first two times out there, I'll get like a burn. But I'm one of the very few gingers in existence that can tan. So like I actually do get super dark when like I'm out there. So like after like two or three burns, <laughs> I don't get burnt anymore. Like at least my, my arms, like my nose, because it's so damn big, like attracts the sun. <laughs> but like aside from that, like everything else, like I just might I won't get burned. So I was like, oh, I've been golfing forever. Like the last two months, like I've got my golf burn down. Like I'm fine. Like I don't have to worry about sunscreen. I'm only going to be out there for like an hour and a half. Sure enough, completely forgot that every time I golf, I wear a hat. So now I got it on my nose. I got it on my forehead. I got it like here. You guys saw like it's it's all it's all bad news. I got like the shirt V. It's it's bad. But I'm more actually maybe this is like last second realization. But Tim is in a new location. It looks like mm-hmm. this is not the normal Tim room. So is this like the move is official? Like Tim has moved and we're, yes. at, we're in a new house here. I was actually going to transition to that. So well done. I guess. <laughs> well, well, I'm, well, I'm looking. I was like, that's that hat's not normally up there in the top left corner or like my <laughs> left. You're right. I was like that. That's definitely new. And I was like, something's off. Something's a little different so, here. So we got to figure out what it is. So so I did move. So the sad thing here is um, still in the city, um, but I did move. Nice new apartment. Very excited about it. I haven't had time to make the background interesting, though. So I threw the Syracuse hat up on the hook. That was already on the back of the door, and that's where we are. So I'm, I'm gonna try to if we can get this on online. I'm gonna see if I can maybe be the first zero in the history of Room Raider. <laughs> you actually might, you might, have, you might have just a white room with a hat. And I think like, if it was just a white room, you might get still like a four, and then be like, guy, right, you know, he's just he hasn't decorated yet. But the fact there is a single Syracuse hat, I'm actually, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna screenshot this one now, so I'll remember to, uh, I'll remember to send this one out to Room Raider. Because they got me twice. I didn't even know. I didn't like one. I got ripped because I had a dog bed with no. Oh, there we go. All two. <laughs> We're going to get it. Screenshot that twice. I got two just in case. We're good. Great, Tim. We're going to be good. Well, there's a lot to rate from uh, Zach Wilson's first day at OTA. See that, Marissa? Delicious. That's good producing. That is good producing. Bringing us back from the nonsense. All right, lad, let's get into it. Um, a lot to get to, but most of it is going to be Zach Wilson. But we should tease. But there's also going to be Nick's talk because yes. Connor is is done with game is done with Star Wars. He's done with <laughs> everything else, and he is locked in on the Knicks playoff run. So we have Nick Mike. Talkers, man. Yeah, uh, Vork is what I like to say. Vorkanov, right? Yeah, my, yeah, Mike Vorkanov. He's I think Mike he's Vorkanov. working the ledger. 
Yes, like I know yeah. him from the ledger. Then he obviously came here to the athletic. He's been doing the Knicks. So like he gets blown. You guys think I blow up your phones. Like when the Knicks are going, like I'm like, what does this guy do? What's the deal with them? What are we thinking? What's this guy? Like when the Mitchell Robinson stuff was coming out, like his Mitchell Rob- I was, Mike, what's happening? What's happening? He just responds in gifts now. Like that's the other thing. He just sends me, he doesn't even, he doesn't even, has like it's, it's all that. So I'm, I'm excited. Obviously, I think everyone, obviously the Nets are the best team in, in basketball. I don't think anyone's going to say that, but, but I mean, New York is kind of a one basketball town, like a one basketball team town. I mean, you have the Giants and the Jets, you have the Yankees and the Mets, and, and there's probably a little more Giant fans and Jet fans, a little more Yankee fans than Met fans, but, it still splits New York. When it comes to basketball, the Nets are still so new that, and they were really coming from Jersey. I, I really genuinely believe that probably 95% of New York is a Knicks fan. So I think that's when you see them win a playoff game like they did the other night. When you see them come back like they did, you see the way that this fan base has just gone crazy for this. It, it's it's so much fun and it's so awesome to watch that now it's just like I'm, I'm in hook, line, and sinker, man. Like I, I took – we'll get into Zach Wilson because people get, why are you not talking about Zach Wilson, blah, blah, blah. But – I was, I was like, when I started covering the NFL is when you very much lose your fandom. So obviously I, everyone knows I, I didn't grow up a Jets fan, you know, drink. Cause I know I say that a hundred times, but, um, the teams that I did follow with football and the team that I did follow with football, as you start covering football, you know, football becomes a job and football becomes work. And so when I want to relax and when I want to zone off and I want to take a break, I don't want to go watch football. I don't want to go watch Thursday Night Football. I don't want to watch Total Access. I don't want to do these things where it's just a more football. It's just more football. Just I'm like, everything in my life is football, football, football. I want to break. So when I started covering the NFL is when I bit, I fell into basketball. That was right around the same time that the Knicks had signed Stat. They were about to get mellow. They had Chauncey at the time. They were about to go on the 50 game with Woody or 50 win season with Woody. And, and it, just, it was it was awesome. And it was like, I found that sports love that I lost when I started covering the NFL. I found it with the Knicks and... I bit in. I was. I was there. They're going to win. They're going to get a title. They're going to do all these things. And where I took my Knicks break, where I was like, I need to step aside from this for a while, is when uh, Bargnani tried to dunk from the three point line and ended up falling all over himself. And I hated the Bargnani trade from the beginning. And then to see that play happen, I was like, I'm going to take a little step back here. And and this year was finally where the kids started playing. Randall started playing. You see who Randall is as a guy and a person as a human. It's just I'm in. I'm screaming. I think I woke up all of my neighbors screaming for that game the other night. I know Bree was like, "Is are you okay? Is everything like is something wrong with you?" I mean, but it was just it's so fun to watch this team play. So I'm excited to have Vork on a little bit later and take a break from Jets talk to talk a little Knicks. I think it'll be fun. I am not a Knicks fan, but I enjoyed Connor talking about a team that he's actually a fan of. So this is fun. And oh, I, yeah. uh, I did, I did. Even as not a Knicks fan, it was awesome seeing the garden rocking like it was oh, the other night because bas- the NBA is just a better place. It's the same with other sports, right? Like yeah. as much as you can hate the Yankees if you're not from New York or whatever, but hey, like baseball is better. Yeah. <laughs> baseball is better when the Yankees are good and basketball is better when the Lakers are good, but also when the Knicks are good. You know, yeah. it's it's just one of those things. All right, let's talk about Zach Wilson. I feel like uh, we buried the lead enough here. Um <laughs> So he came out, Connor. You got to watch him go through the whole workout. You actually have a story on The Athletic right now where you go minute by minute through the entire day if people want the real breakdown. But, I mean, he threw the ball a lot. He had one. We At the combine, he had the one throw, and everybody went, wow, pro there's day, the yeah. throw. Right, at the pro day. I'm sorry, not the combine. Yeah. Um, and he had another one of those today. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's weird, man, because – we haven't seen Wilson. I mean, there was no combine for us to go to. We couldn't really go to the pro day rookie mini camp. We only saw uh, an hour, but it was individual drills. And I remember people were like, Oh, how does Wilson look like a, um, the gym I go to one of the guys who actually is like one of the higher ups there is actually a jets fan. And so like, he'll ask me a bunch of jet questions and he'll ask about like Wilson. I'm like, dude, I was like, we saw an hour of practice during that rookie minicamp. And that was individual drills, him throwing to receivers. And as soon as they even thought about going together for teamwork, we were ushered right off the field. So this was the first time that we could see Zach Wilson, even though it was a padless OTA practice, even though in the grand scheme of things, this really doesn't matter. Even though all the it's, it's, it's just an OTA. This was still the first chance to see the jets next hope, you know, the jets next potential answered prayer. This was our chance to see him. And, We'll get into like the specifics of how he looked and how what they did with them and the offenses and things like that. But I think what was, and I wrote this in, in the minute by minute breakdown. And the reason why I did that, like real quick, is is when Sam was a rookie, his training camp practice, like when they slow clapped for him when he came on. 
I did a minute by minute breakdown of like Sam's first practice. And I remember like WFAN picked it up and that was at the time that was my first year at the athletic, but that was like my most subscribed story was like the minute by minute breakdown of Sam's first training camp practice. So I was like, all right, well, no one's really seen him. We'll see if this generates any subs. We'll see if anyone kind of drugs on. I'm, I'm looking at the numbers on it now, like just the overall retweets interaction. It seems like it's going pretty well. So now uh, it's just a breakdown of everything that he did. Um, But I think what was just bringing it back together, um, was what was the most surprising thing for me was the fact that Zach received every single first team rep. And the part about covering the Jets that you do get accustomed to is usually there's some rookie quarterback at camp. I mean, whether it's like a guy that you actually believe in. I mean, I've been there. There was Geno Smith, Bryce Petty. There was Christian Hackenberg. I've covered, obviously, Sam Darnold. I've covered James Morgan. I mean, there was always, always, always a rookie quarterback at camp. And even when it was Sam, somebody that was expected to potentially be a franchise quarterback, even when it was Hackenberg, somebody that was expected to be a franchise quarterback, even when it was these types of, of, of players, there is always somebody with experience on that roster that gets the reps over the rookie, especially early. And then as OTAs go on, you start maybe seeing him get a couple first team reps as training camp goes on. Maybe now he's getting an abundance of first team reps as the, Regular season nears closer. Suddenly he's getting all the first team reps and maybe he's starting a preseason game. This is the first time I can remember. And it's the first time I can remember any rookie quarterback in general from the jump, from literally organized team activities. He is the starting quarterback. He received every single first team rep. He was the first one through individual drills. He was the first one through team drills. He was the first one in seven on sevens. He was the first one throwing to wide receivers. He was the first one throwing to running backs. He was number one in every single drill. Not James Morgan, who's been there. Not Mike White, who's been there. It was Zach Wilson. And I think that was just so unique, so different, uh, so fascinating. But even more so with this being his first real couple of practices against NFL competition, his first real practices against a, a starting defense. Because again, when you're the number one quarterback and you're working with the first team, you're going against the first team defense. And to see him do that, and not look like a rookie. I think that's kind of the biggest compliment I can give him from OTAs. And you don't want to overanalyze. You want to over. You don't want to oversimplify. You don't want to go above and beyond too much here with what Zach Wilson did. Because again, no pads, OTAs, middle of summer. That's still installation for offense and defense. But I've seen guys that you're like, whoa, that guy's going to need some work. You know, Sam needed some work. Hackenberg needed a hell of a lot of work. Petty needed work. Jake Heaps needed work. Geno Smith needed work. Like all these guys that I saw when they were young, you saw them in OTAs. They still needed work. With Zach, he didn't do anything that made me say he was a rookie. If you would have told me he's in his third year, I would have believed you. If you would have told me he's in his second year, I would have believed you. If, you. if you would have told me that's a rookie guy in his third practice with the pros, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, he looked comfortable. He looked confident. He made some great throws. I mean, it was very fun and fascinating to see him work entirely with that first team unit and look like he belongs. I think that's the coolest thing was that he genuinely did look like he belonged out there. All right. So we, we, Is Tim gone? we lost him there for a second, but he's, uh, he's trying to fix his headphones. Uh, so we'll get him back after that. But, um, is that why you went? I thought you were, I thought you were going to a big picture of me just so you could satisfy like my ego. I thought that's why we <laughs> well, went big picture, Connor. I didn't realize we did it to funny. hide the fact Tim's gone. It's actually very funny. So for our audio listeners, when I make Connor full screen, I could tell he's like really enjoying looking at himself while he's discussing these different that's things. A, so, now that's a lie because no. I can't do that. I actually, I actually don't look because as soon as you bring it up, as soon as like the picture changes from like small Connor to big Connor... <laughs> It does actually throw me for a loop. So like as soon as it happened, I just immediately go and I stare at the webcam to try to take my uh, attention away from it. But Tim's <laughs> back. But I mean, you, d you did mention the one throw that he made. And I know we're going to break down every throw that he made. And we can talk a little bit about the offense because we got the first look at the Mike LaFour offense. We got a first look at Elijah Moore. We got to look at like this guy, the guys who weren't there, the guys who were. Um, the throw that stood out and the Jets only ran two series of 11 on 11 drills. So Zach got... Four in the first one, he like they just ran like Adam Gase would, like where you run every quarterback gets four plays. So he got four on the first one. I believe it was four on the second 11 on 11. And then the rest of them were seven on sevens. And he looked fine in the 11 on 11. He just didn't really take any shots, didn't really take any chances. He threw like short passes, intermediate passes, which is what this offense is going to be. It's a West Coast scheme. Going to be a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of drags, a lot of get the ball to the guys in space. But the throw that he made 
on the first set of seven on sevens, the third play of seven on sevens, uh, it was something else, man. I mean, it was, he started, he lied a bit like that pseudo shock and it was my lead for the story. He looked right, immediately came left. And it was uh, Keelan Cole, who was undoubtedly Zach Wilson's number one target on the day. I mean, he went to Cole over and over and over. It was either Cole or Herndon, Cole or Herndon. Those are the only two guys that caught the ball. He had like pretty tight coverage. Like bless Austin was up on Keelan Cole one-on-one and it was pretty tight coverage with a safety kind of roaming back deep because with Salah, you're going to see a lot of two deep safety. So he, the safety was back there deep. There wasn't a very big window. In fact, I watched the play develop and my thought, I was like, check it down. Like it's just, there's, you looked right, not there, looked left, not there. Give it to Carter, give it to Tevin Coleman, whoever the running back was in at the time, like just dump it off. Wilson didn't do that. Wilson saw a window that I didn't know existed and he dropped a dime. And I know there was no defense. I know it's contactless. I know it's an OTA, but he put a pass completely over bless Austin's head before the closing safety and into Keelan Cole's arms as Keelan Cole was like on the side, like he's running this way down the sideline. So he kind of had to turn like this. So as Cole's turning, it's like a, a half back shoulder able to just drop it right in his arms like this. I mean, it wasn't a laser beam. It wasn't a rocket pass. Cause like, that's the thing is when we saw Zach's pro day, it was the rockets. It was the lasers. It was like the line drives. It was like, Oh my God, look at the arm strength. This wasn't that this was touch. This was the ability to just drop the ball in the bucket and have Cole catch it, make a juke, and then run up the sideline. That pass, for him to just drop it in there, I mean, you want hope, you want optimism. Obviously, there's so much that we're going to have to see camp, preseason games, all that stuff. But for like, if you wanted to see something to be like, yeah, that's that's something I could see why the Jets liked, that was it. I mean, just this accuracy. And I was talking to some people over in the building, and, and they said that he is, quote-unquote, deadly accurate and one person told me that like he has a chance to be something special that he's got he's got something in him he's a little different and and i think that that throw was just again working with the starters your third total ota your sixth or seventh practice if you loop in rookie minicamp and he's already doing that with the starters it's just he's got a confidence and he's got a swagger to him that you can't coach so that's the physical right on the field making the throws but the big part of being a quarterback that he's going to figure out too is is that it's it's harder to be a quarterback in the NFL there's a lot more to the mental game and actually after the workout Robert Sala talked to the reporters and and you Connor and and he talked about specifically what stood out from Wilson for him away from the field we have that clip he's relentless in terms of uh his, his uh, want for knowledge and uh, in terms of studying. And, you know, it is interesting when he's watching tape, the, thing, the, the things that he's able to pick up and recognize on, on tape. And, uh, you know, he's he's already trying to get himself into that 501 world. And and it's almost like, hey, let's scale back. Let's keep on learning. But he's got he's got a he's got a lot of horsepower in his mind. And, uh, and he's he's not he's not afraid to use all of it. Good quote. So that's the horsepower on his yeah. mind. Is that how you describe me, Marissa? That I have a lot of horsepower on my mind? Marissa's muted. Oh. She doesn't realize that. <laughs> that. That's exactly how I describe you, Connor. Like, I word, expect that to be in Bree's vows. Word. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That better. I gotta. We gotta. Bree and I are like in the process now, of like finding our wedding song because we don't like we don't have like the one that's like oh when we were this was that. Uh, so I'm gonna tell her. I was like, we're, we have to pick our wedding song, and we're gonna be writing our vows. I was like, you better say I have horsepower in my mind. I'm, like, that's what I want. I'm just I want gonna that say, Connor, that as a journalist, you better have some kick-ass vows. So you better. Start well, we're not writing them. Uh, we're not. We're not doing our own vows because I would be sobbing. I'm already gonna be crying. Like I already know I'm gonna cry when we do the first look. <laughs> I'm gonna cry when she walks down the aisle. I'm gonna cry during our first song. I was like, Bree. I was like, she knows. Like I'm not. This might come as a shock. I'm not a big public speaker. I don't like I, I don't like talking in front of people. What? I don't I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. And like what's weird, because I do TV, right? But like when I do TV, I'm just looking at a camera. There's no hundred people. So if you put me in front of a room of like 30 people, I'm like freaking out. I don't I don't like it. So like the last thing I'm gonna do is like profess my love. Like I, I, I don't like I'll tell the world I love her all the time. I don't like that whole like reading my vows aloud. So we're doing like the letters to each other that she's going to open like before we see each other and all that stuff. But like, we're just going to do the normal vows. I'm not, we're not, we're not writing our own. I, but I wouldn't be able to read it. Like I'll write, I'll write it. And if someone else wants to read it, knock yourself out. But like, I can't, 
I can't read a lot. I will get through one sentence and then I'm going to start crying. Like, it's just not going to be. I'm going to be a wreck. Re- I'm be a wreck. Reading Connor's vows today is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have, yeah, we'll have honorary Connor's going to make me do it. Back. Like, just yeah. like yeah, yeah, else. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say that's... Uh, Can you live tweet it while you're doing it? Yeah, yes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. live tweet the wedding. We'll periscope it. But, uh, but seriously, that's Robert Sala's best quote since all gas, no break, right? I mean, he's going to have one of these. He's yeah. building up the expectations that we're just going to expect like the great quote. But what he said is important, Connor. It's not just about, you know, you got to make the throws, but there's, a, there's certainly a lot more to it than that. And... The Jets don't have that other guy that we expected them to sign to maybe be the guy week one. So like, there's that much on more on Wilson to get it all down mentally now because you better be ready when week one comes around. Dude, I I was actually texting with um, Andy Vasquez and Daryl Slater about this like a couple days ago, and Daryl said to me, "He goes, this is really what's on your mind on a Saturday." I was like, "No, I was like, I can't, I cannot fathom that the Jets haven't signed a backup. Like, I I just I can't." And you don't want to rip a coaching staff. You don't want to trash on a coaching staff or anything. But like, I, I don't, they were in on Brian Hoyer. Hoyer, he lives in New England. He chose to stay in New England. You know, he's basically the reverse of Tim. Tim came here and, and Hoyer stayed up north. So I think that it's still mind boggling to me that they haven't, I mean, they knew they were drafting Zach Wilson. They knew after his pro day. So, I mean, even before that, I would have gone after Andy Dalton. I would have gone after... Uh, made a stronger push to Alex Smith to try to co- convince him. I mean, obviously, Brian Hoyer was somebody that did pursue, but he chose to leave, stay in New England. I mean, there's just there's so much there that I'm stunned they haven't added a backup. And I think it'd be a colossal mistake if they somehow go in without it. But as you said, the one benefit to not having a backup is it's more reps for Wilson, who clearly is going to be the starter week one. And, you know, Sala wasn't the only one who said this thing about his mind and his, like, fascination with it. Is, is we talked to Michael Floor, and he said the same thing. I mean, LaFleur said... The guy just can't get enough football. He just, he can't. He's constantly watching film. He's constantly got his nose in the books. I mean, that's what he loves. He's a guy that like eat, br- eats, breathes, and sleeps football. And I think that's cool. I think that's going to cause teammates to gravitate towards him. I think it's going to help him anyway. And when it's, when you're, when you're all ball, as you know, Robert Sala likes to say, I mean, I think it's going to endear you, endear you quite a bit to, uh, to your teammates. But I mean, the fact that they haven't signed a backup yet is a little, uh, I, I would say that that is alarming and it's it's just because i mean look obviously they've got lafleur you know they got knapp who's a great who's a, who's a quarterback i mean he's worked with quarterbacks for as long as i've been alive so i mean you have experience in the room but still you kind of want that like veteran mentor to continue to hammer it home you know to, to continue to you know it's one thing when like your parents say it you know like when you you, you would get in trouble or you hear your parents teach you or something like that eventually like when your friend says something or you're like your cousin or your sister or your brother say something you're like oh maybe maybe there's something to it now you know it's not just mom and dad so i'm not saying zach wilson's like a delinquent like that or like i was when i was a kid but it definitely does help when you have a veteran who's been there done that to kind of show you the way and right now the jets have james morgan and mike white and it's like man you gotta you got to switch it up. I mean, you got to get a little bit of help in there. And I don't know if it's going to be Nick Foles. Obviously, you know, there's there's experience there or, or a relationship there between Joe and him. You know, Joe's got a third Super Bowl ring because of Nick Foles. Um, so I, I think that that's something that they should absolutely pursue and pursue pursue quicker, in my opinion. Yeah, you got to get in there working with Wilson as soon as possible just to, to answer the questions and all of that. You yeah. mentioned LaFleur is there, but LaFleur, I mean, he's to a degree new at what he's doing right now also. And one mm-hmm. other thing that stood out to me about LaFleur, looking at the uh, the Zoom calls today, he looks like he's 14 years old. Is it me or is that right? Yeah. He is, no, man. True. No, it is. He's got my hair too. Like, that's like two now. Like, he's got, he's got my same hair, dude. I was noticing that when I was looking. I was like, hey, man, we got to – his looks better. I'll give it to him. Like, I actually just got – I was like – so I go to this bar. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get on that tangent. I was about to go on another tangent. I'm not. We're, we're wild. It's been. I'm not like in the whole podcast groove yet because we're only doing these like every other week. Like I'm not in like the two a week rolling. Like okay, now I know when I can rant, when I can't. Like I'm, I'm still a little. I'm, I'm a little rambly and, and all over the place. I'm sure I'll hear about it in the comment section. I know I will. All right, so one more thing on Wilson, and I guess it's Wait, Marissa. You look tan. Did you go somewhere? No, like, I thought no, we were I avoiding tangents. It... Go ahead. I yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she wants. I'm sunburned. No, I actually think it's the lighting. Like, I swear, if I move, I'm I'm really not this tan. Like, I'm pretty pretty uh, pasty right now. But uh, I was gonna say, you like? No, I think it's I think it's the light above me. But okay, yeah, but whatever, we'll go with it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I was just gonna say one more thing. Like, 
on Wilson and LaFleur is what do you get out of watching a practice like today, Connor, as far as just the offense goes? Well, it was the first look at the offense. Yeah. So I think that, that that was a big one. You know, it was that you kind of got to see how it's going to run. It's going to be a lot of underneath stuff. It's going to be a lot of uh, trying to get guys like there's going to be a lot of you're going to see jet sweeps and, you know, end arounds to like Elijah Moore a lot this year. I mean, the guy's probably going to end up I wouldn't surprise me if that guy ends up having like 25 or 30 rushes this year. I mean, they're going to use him a lot. They're going it's, it's going to be like Debo. They're going to use him like they do Debo, where it's like get the ball in the kid's hands and let him do something. I mean, there's going to be a lot of drags. A lot of crossing routes, a lot of plays that are designed to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quick into the playmakers and let your playmakers work. I mean, that's kind of what the Kyle Shannon offense is. You want to get the ball in your playmakers' hands and let your playmakers make plays. Like, that's what you want to do. So you're going to see a lot of that uh, today, probably because it was uh, only the third OTA that they've had third this week. There wasn't too much of the stretching the field. Obviously, he made the pass to Keelan Cole. Uh, Zach Wilson took two additional shots down the field. One he took to Elijah Moore that was a really nice pass breakup. Uh, by number 26. I don't know everyone's names yet. Elijah Campbell uh, broke that one up. And then uh, there was another one that he completely missed to Vincent Smith, which was his only bad throw of the day. But it almost looked like Vincent Smith ran inside and Zach Wilson threw outside. And if I know anything about the Jets, I would assume that Vincent Smith was probably wrong. <laughs> um, but I think that like, I, I like it was like, you can tell it's going to be a lot of quick hits, a lot of get the ball in the guy's hands, a lot of like motions in the backfield, moving guys around, getting guys out there. I mean, it, it's going to be a fun offense to watch, which obviously you haven't been able to say about the Jets in a while. Uh, even when they had that Chan Gailey swan song, I mean, I didn't think that offense, that offense had good players and the good players made good plays, but I didn't think that offense was like super fun or like revolutionary. Like I just thought it was, it was Chan Gailey, the same offense he ran with the Cowboys like 45 years ago. So um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of guys getting into rounds, got a lot of guys moving, a lot of get the ball in space, let those guys do it out of Zach Wilson's hand quick, let Zach Wilson move around a little bit. But honestly, man, and I referenced this a little bit ago, like when we first opened the show, the biggest thing that I took away from this and the biggest thing I took away from this practice was that I couldn't tell Zach Wilson was a rookie. I mean, this was his third OTA. He had three or four rookie minicamps. I mean, literally, this guy has been a pro for less than two months. Hasn't had the playbook for six months. I mean, like, it, 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 he's supposed to not look good. He's supposed to look bad. He's supposed to take these massive hiccups and, and he's supposed to look in some ways, this early, inept. He's supposed to not look good. I mean, when we saw Sam, and Sam flashed, and Sam made plays like his rookie year early on, Sam was working with the number two and number three offense. And because you're working with the number two and three and number three offense, you're going up against the number two and number three defense. Zach wasn't going up against the number two or three defense. He wasn't going up against scrubs. He wasn't going up against backups. Yeah, the Jets had a handful of guys that didn't show up today. It's voluntary, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But this is where the starting offense against the starting defense, and it was the starting offense without their top two receivers because Corey Davis didn't practice and Denzel Mims wasn't there and Jamison Crowder wasn't there. So actually the top three receivers were all gone. And he still didn't look bad. Like it wasn't like he lit it up for 300 yards through a bunch of touchdowns. It was like, holy cow, like this guy looks insane. It was that this was a rookie quarterback in his third practice that you couldn't tell was a rookie quarterback. And I think a lot of that has to do with Zach Wilson's mental maturity. I think a lot of that has to do with Michael LaFleur's offense. I think a lot of that probably has to do with a vanilla offense and vanilla defensive scheme as a lot of this is now install still. But it was a, that that was my biggest takeaway is that this was a kid who got every single first team rep and did not look like he didn't belong. And when you start talking about, oh, he looks like he belongs. Oh, he looks like he fits in in like training camp or in preseason. That's kind of like a backhanded compliment. It basically means that you have nothing else to say. So you're just saying he looks like he belongs. That's not this. This is a rookie quarterback with the starters who doesn't look like a rookie quarterback with the starters. I didn't say he looked great. Didn't say he looked awesome. Didn't think he looked like an all pro, but he didn't look bad. And I expected him to, especially when I realized he was going to get every first team rep. I expected him to look bad and it didn't. The ball was out of his hands quick. He was accurate. He took shots when he was there. He ran the offense well. There was no bobbled handoffs. There were no fumbled snaps. There were no false starts, no offsides. It looked fine. And the fact that it looks fine this early, I think it's a really good sign. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so speaking of uh, the other first rounder, Elijah Vera Tucker also there today. I mean, <laughs> seven on seven drills don't exactly spotlight the uh, interior lineman, Connor, but what were your impressions of, of Tucker? Uh, yeah, it, it's that's a tough one, man, because I was doing the story all about um, Wilson, so I wasn't really watching him at all. Uh, obviously, he's working on the left side of the offensive line. Greg Van Roten's on the right side. Uh, the Jets didn't have Mekhi Becton there, so Connor McGovern was playing left tackle, George Fonts right tackle, Connor McGovern center. Uh, receivers, because of the uh, couple, Lawrence Cager got hurt today, but the receivers were Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, and uh, Malone. And then Braxton Berrios worked in as well on what the Jamison Crowder role will be uh, or when they're going to run those two slot wideouts at the same time. And then it was a, a legitimate running back rotation with uh, Tevin Coleman was in there, Ty Johnson was in there. Didn't see too much Josh Adams, but Michael Carter. I mean, it was a... Every like it, this is going to be a true running back rotation for the Jets. Uh, as far as Elijah Vera Tucker, the Jets only ran, I think it was eight total plays of eleven on eleven drills where it's offense versus defense, and the other plays were seven on seven drills where the offensive and defensive linemen go on the other side of the field, which I didn't see. So unfortunately, I can't give you too much updates. I can't tell you too much about Elijah Vera Tucker, but I can tell you that on those full team drills, I think Zach Wilson was pressured once, and I don't think it came from Vera Tucker's spot. So. Uh, Vera Tucker, I did watch him in individual drills, and he's big, and he's physical, and I think what surprised me most is how quick he is. Like, there was a play, I put it up on my Instagram account, where he's, like, doing these individual drills. The guy packs a punch, and he's quick, and it's that's going to be... Him and Becton got a chance to be something over there on the left side. Becton's got to get that... This weight stuff that everyone keeps talking about with Becton is a little alarming now, because when Becton was drafted... He talked about how he had his weight under control because he figured out he wasn't eating right or he wasn't eating enough, but he had to eat more of good foods and then he would get the weight in control. But then, like, he said that on draft day. He was like, yeah, my weight's, my weight's not an issue. It'll be fine. Like, training camp came. The weight was still an issue. Regular season came. We're still talking about weight. Postseason comes talking about weight. He's getting injured and banged up a bunch, which probably had something to do with his weight. Now we're in training camp and we're talking about his weight again. It's like, this guy's got to, like, they got to figure it out. They got to figure out what number he should be and they got to get him to that number and that's it. So, um, I, I do think though, if that's under control and everything else, I think those two can be pretty good. But unfortunately, I don't have that many. I don't have any Vera Tucker updates just because I was watching Zach Wilson all day today. And you didn't see Becton because he wasn't there. Marcus May wasn't there. Denzel yeah. Mims wasn't there. Carl Lawson wasn't there, which is interesting as a as a yeah. free agent signing. Of all the guys that weren't there, and obviously there's been a lot of talk this off season from the players' association, you know, recommending that guys skip these OTAs. Um, but is there any concern about any of those guys not being at Jets OTAs. Uh, no, I mean, May, May is the most understandable because he's in a contract dispute. Yep. So Marcus May is in the middle of negotiating a new contract, wants a new contract. That's understandable. Um, some of these guys like Mims and them were there earlier in the offseason. So like they've been there. It wouldn't surprise me if dude, it's Memorial Day weekend. This was like the last of the practices. It wouldn't surprise me if they like came to the first two and then just bolted for this one so that they could get like a jump start on the weekend and have like Monday off as well. The ones though that were... A little noteworthy, I would say, would be like Becton not being there. I think Becton should be there because you want your offensive line to have as many reps together as possible, and it starts now. So he should absolutely vary. There might be a reason why he wasn't. It's voluntary, yada, yada, but you want to see him there. If he's not there when we're there next week, so if, we, if we're back there on OTAs again and there's still no Becton, then it's like, okay, dude, like, you got to get out there. I know he's been there earlier because he posted a picture of him and Vera Tucker, so I don't know if like something just came up today. So it's, it's all of these... It's much ado about nothing until it's now continuing into next week, the week after, like when Le'Veon was like, he came to one conditioning day and it was like, okay, peace. I'm going to Florida. Like that was like, okay, he's not, he's really not there. Um, but I think the only ones that I would say, like you kind of want him there would be Becton. So the offensive line can get camaraderie. Lawson doesn't really matter. He's a pass rusher. He'll be fine no matter what. I mean, if he's training on his own, it's, it, he'll Lawson will be fine. Um, I would like to see next week the receivers all there. I'd like to see James. I don't know if Jamison Crowder is is being weird because they just drafted Elijah Moore. I haven't seen too like when the Jets have posted their pictures and sent all these things. I haven't seen Jamison Crowder there at all this offseason. So I don't know, and we haven't been able to talk to him. 
So I don't know if there's something underlying there where he's a little pissed off at like the Elijah Moore. I don't, I have no idea. I'm just speculating. Like, I, I don't, I'm not even speculating. I, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see if he's there. But I think it'd be most important for Becton so you can get chemistry with the offensive line and then have Denzel Mims get Corey Davis healthy because he sat out clearly with an injury issue. And then Jamison Crowder to go with Elijah Moore so that your young quarterback can start to develop chemistry with the players he's going to be throwing to all the time. I mean, you want to have all the receivers, you want to have all the offensive linemen. I mean, that's what you kind of want to see moving forward and, and, and come and, and as we may move into the second week of OTAs, then you go into the third week OTAs, which eventually lead to mandatory minicamp. It is almost Nick's talk time, but before that, any other things stand out from uh, the first big day to watch this team on the practice field? Yeah, uh, CJ Mosley. Like the fact that CJ Mosley was there, CJ Mosley took over as the starting inside linebacker. He worked with Jared Davis, and then Blake Cashman was the weak side linebacker. So those were your three linebackers. The defensive line was all kind of screwy because there were guys that were missing, but it was Mosley and Jared Davis in the middle. It was like a hybrid two middle linebacker set with four guys in front of them. And then Cashman was kind of like wandering around, sort of. Um, but to see Mosley out there, to see Mosley out there participating, going through team drills, he didn't really make any plays, but again, he's a linebacker and you can't hit right now. It's a padless practice. I think all that stuff was like really cool. I, it was, it was good to see him because it, like what I always talk about with Mosley and it's true. We have no idea what kind of player he's going to look like. We have no idea what Mosley is going to do. We have no idea what Mosley is going to look, what he's going to sound like. We don't know, but because he hasn't played football basically in two years, he played three healthy quarters against the Buffalo Bills tried to come back against the Patriots like six weeks later, clearly was on one leg and then was shut down the rest of the year. The Jets expected him to play last season. They were expecting a big thing from big season from the last season. He opts out and he goes back home to Alabama and doesn't play it down. I always go back to though, those three quarters against the bills because those three quarters from CJ Mosley were the best linebacking quarters I've seen from any player during all of my years covering this team. I mean, Mosley was everywhere. I mean, and like he had what it was like eight tackles, a sack, a pick six, force a fumble recovery, and a gorgeous pass breakup in the end zone when Josh Allen went to it might have been Tyler Croft actually. He went to a tight end deep down the seam and Mosley broke it up the play that he actually got hurt from. I mean, for those three quarters, the Jets were beating the Bills, and they were beating the Bills in large part because of their defense, and their defense was so effective in large part because of CJ Mosley. I mean, he was lining everyone up he was orchestrating everyone he was calling out where this guy's going to be where that guy's going to be what they're going to come what play is going to be there how they need to do this he was incredible that those three quarters and then he goes down so if the jets can get that player back on their defense i mean if you're getting an all pro pro bowl player back on your defense i mean that's an 85 million dollar linebacker that you haven't seen play that's out there now the big thing obviously is he hasn't played in two years so we have no idea what mosley is going to look like i think training camp is going to be huge for him he has to stay healthy he's going to need reps in the preseason all that stuff but i think having him there for a voluntary practice getting in with his teammates again learning this defense i think it's a it's a big sign because for the jets in all likelihood they not only have mosley this year because he opted out, they've got him next year too. So in a normal world, if he hadn't opted out next year is the out in his contract, but because all those like years told or whatever, they don't really have an out until 2023. So they got him in 2021. They probably have him in 2022. And you're hoping that when you're paying them what they're paying them this year, plus 16 million next year, you're hoping that you get a player that's still pretty good and a player that can still play, play pretty good and do some pretty good things. And, and obviously time's going to tell on that. Um, but, but the fact that he was here, I think was a good sign. It was good to see him out there running around, spoke to the media, all those things Said he's got a chip, not a chip on his shoulder, but he said, you know, he's, he feels like he's got something to prove. Yeah. And you want him to be a leader on this team too. So to have him there mm-hmm. for the OTA is absolutely yeah. important. And that's why the Jets signed him too. Like re- one, one last note on that, Tim, is that I remember talking, um, I guess I remember talking to Adam Gase actually about CJ Mosley, like when all that shit was going down about like Adam Gase didn't want CJ Mosley, Adam Gase didn't want CJ Mosley, Adam Gase didn't want CJ Mosley. Like that was not accurate. Like that report from the Daily News was not true. Like it wasn't. And Mosley was actually a player that the Jets had highlighted as an A player. So when you go through our free agency, when GMs and coaches and all that, when they go through our free agents, they want to target, they basically tier them. And everyone can have a different, you know, if you want to tier them by numbers, you want to tier them by letters, doesn't matter. But it's basically A, B, C, D free agents. And free agency generally has a lot of B free agents and maybe like one or two A free agents. And very rarely, sometimes there's no A free agents and it's all B free agents. You know, a good example was Landon Collins when the Reds, when Washington signed him. Landon Collins was obviously coming off of the Giants, you know, Pro Bowl player. But when you looked at what Landon Collins actually did, he was probably more of a B, B plus free agent. 
but he was going to get paid like an A free agent because it's free agency and everyone's overpaid. So it's like you see a lot of B guys get paid like A guys, and that's where as a team you can get in trouble. Case in point, the New York Giants giving a Dory Jackson $40 million. Like that is still absurd in my, like that is so ridiculous. I still can't believe that happened. Uh, Shaq Griffin getting $40 million from the Jaguar or Shaquille Griffin, like 40, like it's not good. Like it's like that, like you're overpaying B free agents A money. The Jets identified C.J. Mosley, Adam Gase, and Mike McCagnon. They identified C.J. Mosley as an A free agent to the point where they could not believe that the Baltimore Ravens let him hit free agency. Like, they couldn't believe it. So the reason why the Jets kept going after him and offering him, you know, 75, then 80, then 85, and they just kept upping the money, upping the money, upping the money until Mosley basically received an offer from the Jets that the Ravens looked at and were like, dude, you have to take that. We can't match it is because the Jets viewed him both as an A free agent as a player and an A free agent as a person because they knew by putting C.J. Mosley in their locker room, immediately their locker room would be better. So the leadership that you just mentioned, extremely key. One of the reasons why the Jets went on and got him. If the play is there, you got a snippet of it in those three quarters. It's just about Mosley getting his sea legs back from underneath him. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, and with that, you know what? Let's talk about the basketball team in town yes. making the run into the postseason. Uh, let's bring in Mike Vorkanov, our uh, Knicks reporter here at The Athletic. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, can we talk more Jets? Can I go with that? <laughs> You're probably the only person here that wants to talk Jets right now, man. Yeah, we're going to go back and This is gone. Connor's been oh, waiting the whole show for this. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I'm in on this now. Like, dude, I am so in on the Knicks. <laughs> I, been, I told Connor it was I would only come on if I get my chance to rip Joe Douglas. That's fine. Ooh. That's fine. We'll do it. We'll take. We'll take it. We'll take it. So let's hear it. You've been around. Like when did you start covering the Knicks? Like I do want to know that because I remember um, you were at the legend. Right? I remember you were at the legend. I think I I started covering it a little bit on and off. Um, the 2016-17 season. So Derrick Rose's first uh, tenure in New York. Uh, gotcha. I did that for the New York Times, covering games here and there, and then I started for the Athletic in. Um, uh, 2018. So I started. I started the week that Kristaps Porzingis tore his ACL. Oh, so you're the parent. Oh, good luck, too. Um, <laughs> you put your yeah. time in. That's for sure. Before this so, year, finally. I think from like when I watched the Knicks last year, and I wasn't a huge fan of the the RJ Barrett pick when they made it. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the the Randall signing when they made it because it was like it just felt like the consolation prize that nobody wanted. It was like, well, we got to spend money, let's do it. And then for them to have the years last year that they did, where Randall obviously did not look good, Barrett didn't look good. I'm sure the pandemic played a role, but it wasn't a great season for someone that's around the team on a COVID perspective. Like obviously, they're around the team every day, like it's a little different for every reporter. It's a little different this year. But was there ever a point off season? moving forward regular season where you looked at like the Knicks and you were like, this might be different. And this might be something that we didn't expect as far as what they were able to do this year with the winning of 40 something games, whatever. No, I mean, not till it happened. Um, honestly, yeah. you know, the off season was pretty boring. Um, they, were, they didn't add anyone particularly interesting. Alec Burks, yeah. I think got the biggest contract one year, $6 million. Yeah. Alec Burks, um, I guess until he scored 18 fourth quarter points, it was not really supposed to be a game changer. Um, <laughs> You know, Nerland's Noel has been great, but again, centers come for cheap in free agency now. Yeah. Uh, I honestly like nothing really seemed apparent until I don't know, probably like March. Like uh, once Derrick Rose really got going, yeah, um, that was when it was clear. Okay, this can be a good team because even when they traded for him, they're still eleven fifteen. Like there are interesting moments from quickly and Randall and all that stuff. But like I don't know, you're thinking, okay, maybe they squeeze into. It. I, I think by like February, I was like, okay, this will be a play in team. Like they'll get in as a ten yeah. nine. Somewhere there and like I, I could see them getting in the playoffs because this is a weird COVID year with an expanded playoff field yeah. and like who knows what's going to happen. But no, not I mean, really not until Derek Rose came back. I think he's the guy who kind of changed his team because of what he added um, and really just kind of raised both the floor and the ceiling for the Knicks. Yeah. With when I've seen Rose, I've always loved him. Like for like when he was with Chicago, like he's just he's always been a player that 
I've genuinely loved. I love the way he played. The injuries were what killed. I mean, I remember like the old memes that were out there before memes were even a thing, like while waiting for Rose and like stuff like that, like all like way back when, when Twitter probably was first really kicking off. But what I've always been so petrified of and so nervous of is like, I always felt like he was like about to get hurt. And I was like, it's all like you, you're going to, you want him play in the minutes because he's an effective player when he's on the floor, but it's like, he's going to get hurt and he's going to go down and it's just going to happen. And it's going to be killed. This year that hasn't happened though. Like he's playing the starting minutes and, and everything that I've read and everything I've seen is that he's genuinely changed the way that he approaches the game. I mean, have you seen that where it's like he's staying healthy, even though he's playing these big minutes and he's effective because of how much he's changed his game and in what way from, from somebody that's obviously been around him and, and talked to him a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the thinking was when they traded for him, he probably had like a cap about 25 ish minutes per game. He yeah. even alluded to it. I, it seems like, the belief in Detroit last year, this year was that he couldn't really do more than 25 minutes a night, you know, except for rare occasions. Right. And that's the way that they played him. Uh, and, you know, about starting in April, Tom Thibodeau started doing his thing where he realized uh, I have like one really good point guard and it's not Alfred Payton. And <laughs> I need to play Derek Rose a lot of minutes. And, you know, you saw an uptake and he's averaging, you know, he's going for 30 plus minutes every night. Obviously, now in the playoffs, now he's playing 38 a night, right? Like, I thought he was going to get to 40 last night in game two up until the moment that Tom Thibodeau just gave him a break and, like, mercifully just thought about his legs for just a moment. Um, He's changed his training program. You know, he does his fascia um, stretching on the sidelines there before he comes in. Yeah, you know, he's he's gotten used to playing the way that he plays. I'm sure there's other stuff that he's doing in terms of just preservation and maintenance. Uh, he's 32 years old. Like his body has been through a lot. I remember he ended his last season with the Knicks. I think like the week before the season was about to end, he tore his, uh, something, I think meniscus in his knee again. He yeah. had to have more surgery. Like he's been through countless surgeries there for a while. If you remember like when the Cavaliers caught him and the Timberwolves first re-signed him, he was he yeah. got him basically done. He was broken down. So he was he's done a lot of things. I don't know how this is all going to reveal itself. Um, you know, he's he's going to get a lot of minutes now. They're going to ride him hard, yeah. right? This will be really the, the the strain, the great strain that they put on Derrick Rose's body. Um, and we'll see how it comes back for next season, you know, uh, just in, in terms of his ability to endure all of this. Maybe yeah. he'll be able to endure it for two weeks, you know, three weeks, however long the Knicks are in the playoffs. I'm curious how long uh, the after effects of that will be, especially since he's a free agent this, this summer. And I, I assume the Knicks will re-sign him or try to re-sign him since you know he's he's tibbs his guy and he's done a lot yeah. and he's played really well i was gonna say one of the benefits right now of them having him is that they're not really paying him anything i mean it's like you're, you're not and that's probably with the way that he's played that's probably going to change like you're not going to get him back i don't think on what you're paying him right now but i also don't think in my opinion yeah, i don't know how you can have him come back as your starting point. Like, I think he's best. I don't know if it's off the bench, but he's best. I, th- I think, honestly, the way you keep him healthy is, like you said, those 20, 25 minutes a game. So do you see us as something moving forward? And I want to talk about the current roster a little bit too, but do you see us something moving forward where free agency priority is, yeah, you want to retain Rose. You want to keep him. Obviously, he's a Tibbs guy. He means a lot. He's a great leader. He clearly has done so much for Obi. He's done a lot for Quickly. Like, he's done a lot for a lot of the young kids on the roster but where it's best where you take him Rose and you pair him with somebody else. And I don't know who that someone else is. I don't know if it's ball. I don't know who it is, but you take him and you're able to keep Rose as like that sixth man off the bench. And then you also are able to say, okay, let's get like this guy, like uh, this is the player that they should go out and target to pair with him. And you get the two, the two punch. Cause like you said, right now, I don't think anyone has any, any thought that it's Peyton and Rose is like this dynamic duo. It's like, it's like Rose and Prey Payton doesn't screw it up while Rose isn't out. <laughs> I don't know if we'll see Alfred Payton again um, this series or, you know, if it goes further in the playoffs. I don't know how you, you start him again after what happened in game two. Um, I, I think in the off like in the offseason, you they need an upgrade at point guard. Like, I don't think Derrick Rose is going to be their starter because he's, he's in a really good role coming off the bench and he gets to control the second unit and he gets to score and he gets to do his thing uh, and he gets to provide the minutes, you know, when they stagger their rotations again, when Julius Randle or whoever is on the team next year is not there. They just need upgrade at point guard, like, period. Um, it's their weak, I think, their weakest position. And if they can get someone who fits the Tibbs mold, which is just uh, kind of a downhill scoring guard who can get to the basket, bend defenses, that's what he likes. I, I don't know, you know, obviously there's you know rumors about Dennis Schroeder or whatever. We'll see who comes over and um, who's available in the trade market. Like all these things are kind of hard to suss out right now. Um, but I, I think I think they'll add somebody. Like that's their greatest position of need. Yeah. Not adding it is untenable, and most likely you're not getting another player at 19 or 21 in the draft who can help you immediately. And even Emmanuel quickly, uh, we've seen his limitations right now because he's 
he's back to playing, I don't know, whatever it was, like 15 minutes in yeah. games one and two. So you look back at game two and the way it went down, the garden was rocking like the glory days. Spike is strutting his stuff on the sidelines and it was everything you want to see if you're a Knicks fan. And it, it had this feeling like, oh, well, they won, they won the series, right? And then you look and they won one game and they lost game one and now they're going to Atlanta. So is there any, do you look at this team going back to Atlanta now? Is there fear that like, after that atmosphere and the way that game went down, there could almost be a letdown here and this series could go the other way. Yeah, I mean, I, I come out of these two games thinking um, these are two really, really close teams in terms of how good they are. And I really think the only thing we know for sure right now after two games in the series is that Trey Young is really good uh, <laughs> and everything else is, you know, we just don't know. Like the, you know, the the Knicks, they, they lost game one by two points, right? That could have swung in so many different ways and there was kind of a, a chaotic, uh, cataclysmic uh, viewpoint, right, from Knicks fans coming in after that game. And then they won game two. But if you look back at it, and I wrote about it today, like the Hawks missed their last eight shots. A lot of them yeah. were really good and easy open shots. And that became, that game goes a lot differently if DeAndre Hunter makes two wide open threes and a wide open layup off of a lob, right? Um, so I think it's just they're, they're all really close. And the Knicks still have to figure out what to do with Trey Young. And they have to make sure Julius Randle – um, doesn't you know turn back into a pumpkin basically for games three and four? Yeah, I I think watching this team right now, I mean, if if they're able to beat the Hawks, I mean, I think that's a huge accomplishment. If they're able to go to the next round and steal a game from, I mean, it's if it's even if it's it doesn't just win a game, like just winning a game, I think is a legitimate accomplishment considering who yeah. they have to be playing in the next round. They haven't beaten the Sixers since like twenty fifteen. I think yeah, Ben so, Simmons yeah. has never lost to the Knicks. Yeah, I grew I grew up in the Philly area, so I hear that <laughs> quite a bit. So I I, I, I trust me, I hear that. Um, I, like for me, it's like I'm enjoying this run, I'm loving this run, but it's also like, well, how do they get next step? Like, what is that next step? And I know like the the youth that's there, I love. Like, I love quickly. We were talking about before we were texting. You we were like, you know, I think like Lou Williams might be his say was what you had said, and I think that'd be great for him. Barrett's the one where the two questions is like, what do you see as ba- Barrett's next? Like, can he take that next step and? elevate himself to where he's not, you know, really good number three option, or he's not, you know, he's a definite starter above average player, but like, is he is somebody that actually has, he can be a leading star on a contending team. And if not, where do the Knicks then go from here in order to get that? Cause they do. I mean, you watch him and it's painfully obvious. Like they have Randall. I think Randall's maybe asserted himself into a position where it's like, yeah, you can talk about this guy as being a, a legitimate star on a team. But he still needs somebody out there that that where it's it's when he's not going, it's there. So is it do they trade for somebody? Is there somebody out there that may I don't I don't I don't think there's anyone really in free agency this year? Is it do they package the first round picks to try to go up in the first round and try to go get somebody up there? I mean, what is Barrett's ceiling? And then if not, then what is the next step for this team in order to get to that next level? Yeah, I mean, Barrett has not had had uh, first a good first two games, right? He played 25 minutes. He wasn't there in the end of the fourth quarter mm-hmm. uh, in game two. I think the limitations that we all kind of thought about him have been revealed in the playoffs so far, which is that he he can't really initiate, right? Like that's not mm-hmm. his strength yet. Uh, his his three point shooting jumped up to a great degree, so now he's he's kind of a good uh, spot up. Uh, three-point shooter and that's very valuable but like if you're talking about can he become a good second or third option for you you've got to be able to create you've got to do stuff off the dribble um, and he hasn't really had that it's not even been a case where he just misses shots like he he hasn't really they haven't asked him to do a lot they've lead on Rose Burks uh, and Julius Randle um, so I think it's it's still review we still have to see what what RJ Barrett is going to be and um, I don't think we've seen enough clear evidence yet that he can be you know a, a second option on a really good team, something like that. Like, I, I think they'll try to make a big move this summer. Free agency, like you said, pretty barren. Everyone kind of resigned. Everyone thought the summer of 2021 would be pretty good, and then everyone pick up their options or resign or whatever. Uh, and so now it's all, all about the summer of 2022. Um, you never know who shakes loose in, in the trade market. Like, we don't know, you know, if the Clippers if the Clippers fall out in the first round, like, what the hell is going to happen? Why? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, there's always some team that just, like, decides to just either go for it, like the Bulls did at the trade deadline, uh, which was weird at the time and remains weird. Um, we don't we don't know which team is going to decide, okay, we just got to start rebuilding, right? Um, so I, I think it's going to be very interesting. There's going to be a few teams to monitor to see what they do in, in the playoffs. 
and to see if they decide, okay, this isn't working for us, or if the star player there decides, yeah. I just I got to do something differently. And this is where it ha- where it helps to have guys like you know not only Leon Rose, but you know Worldwide West and someone like Kenny Payne, who is a nice value add, especially considering his connections to all the Kentucky guys. Yeah. Before we let you go, Mike, what is this Joe Douglas beef? <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Uh, so I'm of the belief that no one actually knows how to draft well. I think it's just a lot oh, of luck. You and me both. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's fair. I, I tweeted at Connor. Uh, I think it was uh, around the time the D- Deshaun Watson trades talks uh, first started, back in like yeah. January or whatever it was, obviously before um, all the legal stuff came out about him. And he was, Joe Douglas was something like, I would, you know, I'm not going to trade my draft picks. I've got to hit on those. That's a big part of our success. Yeah. And I'm like, that, that confused me and scared me a little bit. Cause like, um, you know, usually if you can trade those in for good young veterans, especially a quarterback, yeah. that's hitting on your first round pick if you get a Deshaun Watson. And then I just thought he should have traded back at two. Um, like we've seen the last 10 years, no one knows how to draft quarterbacks, right? I'm not sure that Trevor Lawrence will be good because I, Sure, he's great. He's an amazing prospect. We'll see. I think the biggest indicator of whether a QB, uh, a rookie QB does well is where he gets placed in his first team, yes. right? If he's in a good infrastructure, surrounded by a good team and, and all those types of things. Um, so dropping Zach Wilson into these Jets is kind of perilous just because they're not, you know, their offense is still building out. I'm very happy that Adam Gase is gone because he was probably the worst coach I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I don't know why they kept him around other than to full tank for the 2020 season, which smart move. You got that messed Um, up too. That's for sure. You know, that's just, that's smart uh, leadership there. But I I thought like, if you could have pulled off that Niners trade, you do it. And so I don't know. I thought they should have tried to trade back and, and rebuild that way. And it just, it makes me nervous when a GM or any executive is just like, I'm going to nail this draft. That's how we're going to get good. Like that just makes me think, you know, trading up for a guard at 14. I, I get it, but also like, I don't know, just, Keep the assets, take take your shots in the lottery and see if you can nail some of the scratch off numbers. I'm with you. So Todd, Todd Bowles put it perfectly, he described the draft, called it an educated crapshoot. And I remember I was like, that's it. I was like, that that's you, you figured it out. I was like, that's the perfect way to describe it. And I'm not no even sure it's educated. No, it's just true. Take, yeah. the cons- <laughs> take the consensus big board that everyone puts together that we have Arif put us put together for the athletic every year and like yeah. just draft the best player available and you'll have probably over a long enough period the same track record as as any genius right. GM, you know, like yeah. I'm just yeah. saying it's I don't know. No, anyway, I, agree. He, I think if they didn't even consider it, though. that's a wild thing. I, it was just they they saw Zach like there's our quarterback. And the one thing that like that, Joe's that's always like deep Dave Gettleman vibes that they didn't oh, even consider. Oh no, it's not that bad. Like I no, think I'm saying, saying like, you got to like, consider a trade. A franchise guy though. That was yeah. It was they thought they're like he's our franchise quarterback, and if you have a franchise quarterback, you can do it. Dave Gettleman didn't accept trade offers because he saw a running back. Like that's, well, no, that's that. I know, I know, one. I know. Listen, that that was just like stupid, and I'm I've loved the Dave Gettleman era. It's been wonderful. Oh. Uh, Giants fans, you know, <laughs> as, as sainted as they think they are, you know, finally get the Dave Gettleman era and try to talk themselves into every move he makes. Um, but just not to even consider it. I mean, like if you get three first round picks thrown your way, like you, you think about it and yeah. then you do something else, you know, like you move on from there. I don't know. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, you throw them into like, uh, you, you throw them into a hat and you pick one out and you have just as good a chance, I think, to pick the right QB as you would specifically targeting one idea. guy. It's not a bad idea. That's, that's like, you see, it's, you know what? And honestly, in three years, if we're sitting here and like the Jets are looking for another quarterback, cause Zach didn't plan out. That's how we're gonna go. I mean, I'm, I'm back to do. I'm back to charting OTA. I, I'm. I was still hoping Sam. Like I remember last last point. I remember last year with Sam, uh, like going into this training camp. I remember talking to Costello on the sideline and being like, "Man, there's no quarterback competition. There's no new offense. It's so <laughs> nice to just not be charting passes anymore. Like you may, yeah. just when something good happens, you just make the note in the notebook. Like so for the next ten observations from training camp." You've got like, oh, this happened in training camp and it was good. Like the next note that's written down, the next little like widget that's written down. And now I'm sitting here in the first OTA and I've got, or I think it's literally here, like literally play-by-play of, <laughs> of my color-coded play-by-play of Zach Wilson's OTA passes and seven-on-seven drills. It's like- You're man, already yeah. building the hype up. You're like, this is, I, I saw your story. Like, this is why good Zach Wilson news. Oh yeah, got it. I, can't, I can't kill him yet. I gotta, I gotta at least give him till <laughs> August before I start calling for the bus train. We're gonna, we're gonna ride the good fields. Part maybe it's just because I'm sick of covering a loser. Like I'm ready. To, I, you, you got a playoff trip right now, man. I have I, the closest I got was 15. You're covering a playoff team. I can't even dream of that at the moment. I know yeah. Chris. Like you, you used to work with Strauss too, right? Yeah, because Chris, yeah, yeah, all Chris New York. man, yeah. 
So I remember saying to him, I was like, I, I, like before I left the Star Ledger, there was like this rotation of you would cover the Super Bowl. And yeah. so like I was due and I had a great year. So I was going to cover the next Super Bowl for the Ledger. Then the Athletic hired me. So I'm like talking to Chris and I was like trying to make a push to cover the Super Bowl for the Athletic. And he goes, look, he goes, we're probably now that we have an NFL staff, we're going to send our columnists who cover it plus the two people that cover that team. So if the Chiefs and, you know, Rams are in it, we're sending the Chiefs and the Rams beat writers plus our columnists. So I said to him, I was like, so you're telling me the only way that I can cover a Super Bowl here is if the Jets make a Super Bowl. And he texted, <laughs> he, he responded back to me. He goes, he's like, I'll be honest with you, Connor, you're probably not covering a Super Bowl. <laughs> I was like, you asked. I was like, God damn it, man. So I'm just hoping, maybe it's like wishful thinking that Zach just pans out just so I can finally cover a Super Bowl. The dream, hey. the dream scenario I'm waiting for. I hope so too. I know you're hoping I cover the NBA finals. I'm hoping you cover oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Oh my well, God. Your, your the, phone's going to be blowing up with mine if that's the case. <laughs> if the Knicks can get back to the playoffs, the Jets can get back exactly. to the playoffs, right? All right. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming All on. Right. We're just going to end the show with you here. So we'll, well, I'll throw right. this in. If you want to join The Athletic right now, you go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for just $3.99 a month. You can get all of Connor's writing all of Mike's writing, and everyone else at The FX writing just $3.99 a month. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Can't Wait Podcast. We'll be back in probably two weeks unless something crazy happens. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>